Welcome back to Oh No No No, the Wraith Rovers podcast. Uh, I am back in the hot seat this evening. I'm Duncan Cameron. And although we are still without the boss, we do have a, a couple of familiar faces alongside a new one to discuss tomorrow night's visit of Partick Thistle. So I am joined, first of all, by John Greer. How are you, John? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, Blair Hopcroft is here as well. How are you, Blair? Very well, mate. Excellent. And making his debut it is the president of the Liam Dick Fan Club. It's uh, Graham Meldrum. How are you, Graham? I'm very well. How are we doing, guys? Excellent. Good. Fantastic. Um, right, I tell you what, before we get into the, the Thistle game, we've got a lot to cover on that one. Um, Graham, by way of, of introduction, do you want to just um, kind of give us a few of your thoughts on the the season so far, the, the high points and uh, how you feel things are going? Well, obviously, as the president of the Lee and Dick fan club, it's got to be his goal at Kilmarnock. It's obviously the high point of the whole season. Um, that and him finally getting the recognition that he is captain material. You know, 19 times we've been up the road to Inverness with no one. Liam gets the captain's armband and there we go. Yeah, How simple is football? No brainer. It reminds me, John, you'll remember this as well. I think uh, our superstar striker, Mr DL, Went through a, a barren patch of about 12 games, couldn't score a goal. And he changed his number for nine to eight. And within about 10 minutes, he scored. And then and that was that. Just simple things in football. Amazing. But apart from Liam being amazing, um, the team has surprised me. I, I think I was at, where was I? Was it the Kilmarnock game? Was it the Anning game? Um, the Parrick Thistle game, which we'll probably talk about today as well. But I think since we've brought in Sean Byrne, I think we've been totally different as a team. Um, a lot more solid. And some of the options we've got up front is amazing. It's, it's very reminiscent of when I was a wee laddie. Um, in the 90s, and well, I wasn't that wee in the 90s, <laughs> but a lot weirder than I am now, that's for sure. Um, that kind of fast-flowing football and, and getting the ball forward and, and taking chances and making chances. So, yeah, really exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is. feels a, bit, a little bit like we've... Um... We've not looked back since that Thistle game, but that two each. I think you can almost draw a line at uh, Kieran Mitchell's goal. There was that kind of, the way that team looked before then and then the way they looked after that. And I, I think you're absolutely spot on that Sean Byrne's been a, a huge part of that. But I think, I mean, actually, when you mentioned that Annan game there, I was at that one as well. And I'm not convinced that I've given you particularly short odds on this team being... You know, or certainly having the, the chance to go top of the league. Um if you'd offered me the the option at you know at half time in that one especially. Um Blair, looking forward to tomorrow night. How are you what are your your general kind of mood going into this one? Again, it's it's worryingly buoyant, I suppose, um is the best way to put it. I'm really looking forward to it. Um <clears throat> I love midweek games. I love the floodlights and the the cold nights and all the rest of it. If the weather stays kind of dry, which it's obviously pretty wet at the moment, but um I do I love a I love a midweek game. Um Friday night especially there's something kind of magical about it. Um being on the telly and all the rest of it. And then you put into the fact that it's second versus third, five points between us. You know, a win for us really significant. You know, you stretch that gap to eight points, but massive for them, bringing it down to within a get within a win of of uh, overtaking us if they beat us on, on Friday night. So, um, yeah, I'm expecting a really good game and actually two teams that are in decent form as well. So, 
Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, they're on. Um, they're in very good form actually. The, the I was kind of looking earlier on and uh, gone a little bit under the radar actually. Yeah. I think the kind of standout result almost when they get hammered five 0 by Dundee United almost kind of mask the fact that since then they've they've been doing all right. I mean, two each against Queens Park, probably not brilliant given what Queens Park are like at times, and then. Um, Two each against Air United after that as well. But then 3 1 over Arbroath, 2 1 over Morton, 2 1 over Airdrie. You know, again, we've said it enough times in this division, winning games is all it takes. Um, you're not going to go and, and kind of put a lot of goals past a lot of teams. So this is going to be a very interesting one. And it's a real test of this Rovers side's metal, I think. Um, we've We've been looking at it, I think, a little bit in, over the past few weeks as almost like are the Rovers and Dundee United able to kind of pull away as it those two and then sort of the blob of everyone else underneath and uh this will go this game will go a long way to to kind of defining that for at least the next little while um John what about you how are you feeling going into this one yeah I, th- I think it's um quite exciting we've all had to travel to see the Rovers recently so it'll be nice to have a home game and as Blair says um Friday night under the lights at Starks Park, it's got the shape shaping up to be a really good game. Two decent teams, two teams that that want to play football, and uh, it should be really good. That hopefully we're bringing the form that we've been in uh, to the game, and I'm looking forward to it. It's certainly, um, certainly, you know, nothing to fear. Further overs, I mean, they will go into that game absolutely full of confidence, and I mean, it should be, um, it should be a good atmosphere. I think we know um, Ian Murray's going to have his work cut out um, trying to put a lineup together for this one. So, uh, remarkably, I think what eighteen or nineteen players trained this week, which is is a, a ludicrous number um, <laughs> for the Rovers, really. Uh, so I think is it just Keith Watson now who's missing? Is there anyone else I've I've forgotten? Um, so that and, and there's there's very little <laughs> there's very little fat in that squad as well. You know you've got kind of really two young boys in there and Adam Masson and Callum Hanna, but neither of them have looked uh, in the you know, relatively short amount of time they had. Neither of them have looked out of place, but I think really everyone else is going to be pushing to start, really. Um, uh, with the exception, sorry, of Ross Matthews, who's obviously his fitness won't quite be there. Um, John, actually, I'm going to stick with you. Do you think there will be any any kind of surprises in um, any in Murray's lineup, and And who do you think might come back in from the team that was up at Inverness? Well, um, I think uh, Josh Mullen said in, uh, that he felt Callum Smith was unlucky to drop out uh, last Saturday. So, as you say, it's, it really is a kind of juggling exercise. And it, it must be, it's totally different to where we were last season, where we were struggling to get two p- play, outfield players on the bench at times. So, it'll be good. Um, I wonder if Mudza will be back in the reckoning as well. So, we might be a bit more. Uh, more solid at the back as well. And then obviously you've got Ross Millen coming back in after having served a, 
suspension. So so that that'll be good. Um, Dan O'Reilly has been sensational since he came into the into the club. So um it will be difficult for uh, eleven players to be selected to start and you'll have another what eight, nine itching to get on off the bench. So it's great to see. It's very easy to pick the guys who are going to come back into the team and incredibly difficult to pick anyone who has to come back out again. Um, I mean, I think the the one that looks most obvious is Ross Millen coming back in because obviously you've got Josh Mullen is out of position at right back. But it feels really hard to actually drop Josh Mullen out of the team altogether given how well he's been doing. Um, Duncan, I just I said all that and I never even thought about Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Brown, you would think, should be coming back into the team in his rightful position. But then you've got Sean Byrne there, who I think we all agree has been absolutely wonderful since he came to the club. So that's another dilemma. Do you know that the problem is we've basically got kind of 14 players who you would say are the first name on the team sheet? <laughs> like, it's like, like I'm just sitting here scribbling away at a team and like, I, I I said this like a couple of weeks. I don't know how he's. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he fits people back in. Brown's the one for me. I, I've said this already a, a couple of weeks ago. Like, if he doesn't play centre half, does he get a game in midfield now? Well, that I think it's a really interesting question, and it's one I want to talk about because Robbie said it a couple of times. Um about Scott Brown, when he doesn't look out of place at centre-half anymore. And I realised that as I was thinking about it, I was considering him for both positions, which even three months ago, you would never have remotely considered him for the defence. But I think now that you've got Ewan Murray and Dan O'Reilly as actually, you know, proper centre-halves there, Dylan Corr's got a jersey at the moment. So I think that's probably... For me, that's probably what happens in the defence is that Ewan Murray comes back in and Dylan Corr goes back out. But then you, you've then got kind of Scott Brown, who was previously next in line in the defence, to go back into the midfield. But um, to stick on that point, Graham, do you think there's room for both Scott yep. Brown and I, Sean Brown? I, I actually think that Patrick Thistle ripped us. They absolutely ripped us in that first game of the season. Okay, we didn't have an anchor in midfield, but for 60 minutes. And I hope the guys who were calling for Ian Murray's head at half time are having a good laugh to themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a few shouts that Murray get to at half time. Yeah. They didn't know what he was doing in that game at half time. Um, so I, I don't know if he'll go like he used to go sometimes last season, maybe with two guys sitting in the midfield. You know, because it did rip us, I think. Having Ross Millen in as well is going to help because Scott McGill had a nightmare. Um, St. Lee and Dick had a, didn't have the greatest game in the first half, but you know he's, he's allowed them for being as good as he is. Um, but Thistle were were really good until I think McMillan came off and they put it was a guy Williams for centre half. We looked a bomb scare in the first couple of minutes at centre half, put him to right, uh, right back, and then it was a different game. But I'd I've got a slight bit of concern just with the way Thistle went through us. But obviously we've changed and I think the team's grown since that day. And it makes me wonder if, it's probably one for the guys we've older, if uh, Kieran Mitchell was almost like Alex Ferguson's Mark Roberts, uh, Mark Robbins moment. 
you know, he scored and he said, put kept Fergie in a job. And I'm not saying that Keir Mitchell's kept Ian Murray in a job, but he's, he's sort of made the momentum and started the momentum of the team for this season. So I would I would maybe look at, and or wouldn't be surprised if Murray changed what he was doing in midfield for Friday night. It's a good call. Yeah, I think so. Is that what you would do, John? If it was you? Is that what you would do with you? Do you think you'd be starting Burn and Brown? I think I would, yes. I'm just going on on, um, Graham refreshing our memory of that first half for Hill. Um, I I think we, tomorrow they'll come and they'll be wanting to to impose themselves on us. So maybe Maybe that is the way that we we set up with a bit of the stiffness in midfield and uh, we take it from there. If we get a good foothold in the game with these two, it then gives Sam Stanton, uh, the Lewis Vaughns, the Dylan Eastons the chance to go forward and, and then start to impose us ourselves on on them. So maybe maybe I think you're probably right there. And, and that, the other sport. thing is as well, it, I take, it depends on how fit Ewan Murray is. Mm. You know, it's a shoulder thing that he's carried for a wee while. He obviously got done in training. Um, so it depends on how fit he is, if he's able to come straight back in the team. Uh, if not, I would imagine Cor would drop out and Brown would go back in at, at centre-half. See, that that I think is remarkable because there's not a, again go back to preseason. Um, there's not a chance you would be saying, "Oh, we'll, we'll play Scott Brown in defence ahead of Dylan Core," even though we hadn't seen Dylan Core play really at that point. Yeah. Um, but Blair, that, that on that same point, in terms of uh, kind of Brown and Burn in the midfield, is that something you would be looking to do? Yeah, I think against, you, uh... against Partick, I think I would. Um, I, I agree with what the, the boys are saying completely, but. I still don't know. I, there's not enough jerseys. I don't know how he makes it work. So, just I mean, I, I think the point I was going to make originally, actually, John's just made. I think he's spot on. I think if if Murray is fit, he plays. If he doesn't play, Brown probably plays in centre half because it um, it almost solves a problem for the manager a wee bit. Because I'm looking at it. So if you if you go with a back four that you're kind of expecting, so Dick and Millen and O'Reilly and Murray say. As in the two centre halves, which I think most Rovers fans would, would be expecting. So you then sit Brown and Burn at the, the base of the midfield, right? Um, who plays in front of him or in front of them, rather? It's, I mean, it's got to be Stanton, right? He's been arguably the player of the season so far. You're not dropping, I mean, does he drop Dylan Easton? Does he drop Aidan Connolly? Probably not. Maybe he does. But, and then Hamilton has to play. So there's eleven already, and I'm like, we've no mentioned Mullen, and we've no mentioned Vaughn, and like Mullen, I can I can see potentially dropping out. Um, I can see um, Core dropping out. I think Core's a relatively easy one to kind of, not that the manager has to explain anything. He's he's in charge and he makes the decisions. But I think it's an easy, a relatively easy one to explain in terms of you know still coming back from injury, still a young guy, but. How do you I mean? How do you tell Vonnie he's no playing, or how do you tell Connolly or Easton or Stanton? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was I was the same as you. I, I've been kind of frantically trying to scribble this together, 
and I keep just remembering other really good Rovers players. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, Jamie Gunn. Oh, Christ. Yeah, Because that... Because I think I think everything you've said is right. If you play Burn and Brown and at the base of the midfield, which I prefer by default, I think it's it's a it's a proper solid base in the midfield. I think you also need Stanton as well. I think you have to have Stanton, right. and then you have to have Hamilton, basically. <laughs> yeah. Easton, I mean, even then, even if I just stop there, you've only got two jerseys left. It's your two wide players. And to fill those two jerseys, you've got Dylan Easton, who, you know, without hyperbole, is one of the best players in the division. Mm-hmm. Lewis Vaughn scored more goals than anybody else we've mentioned so far, um, including a brilliant goal last time out. Jamie Gullen scored the winner. Yeah. Obviously, for penalty spot, still got a kick it in the goal. Um, and has done well in his other performances recently. Aidan Connolly... Has the has a jersey at the moment and is doing really really well. Josh Mullen, um, again is currently in the starting lineup. Has done everything that's asked of him and more. Callum Smith, really unlucky to be out. That's that. That's a ludicrous number of really really good players. Um, I really don't envy the manager at all. But to come back to to sort of the point that kicked all of that off about the two man kind of base of the midfield. What I do think is it's a it's an option that's easy to move away from if things aren't necessarily going your way with that kind of potential on the bench. So you start off with that solid base and the game goes your way, then brilliant. If it's not quite going your way, it's very easy to start putting on, you know, additional um, additional firepower. Um, now, obviously, uh, Ian Murray's just going to play like a two seven zero one or something anyway. Um just to, to to keep everyone else on their toes. I don't know if you saw there was um um James McPake had like a meet the manager thing with the Dunfermline fans and actually said, you know, well, I think it was fairly obvious, but it was interesting just to hear him say it, where he was just like had no idea. Didn't know what was gonna happen going into that game. And actually the the, the interesting part is that when he went to the back four, that didn't work at all. So he was like, I picked the wrong team, made the wrong change which I say it's a tangent, but I think very much goes to the point we said at the time, which is that that was a manager beating another manager more so than the uh, necessarily than, than just the players involved. So Duncan, that tells us that Chris Doolan's going to have a sleepless night tonight, wondering what lineup the Rovers are going to have. Uh, see, see when you're talking about Chris Doolan, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, confession time. I have a bit of a man crush on Chris Doolan. Um, I don't know if I've told you before I coach a under 18, under 17 team down here and Chris Doolan had his academy um, before he was got party jobs, we had him down once a month um, coaching the boys brilliant, the, the the biggest thing was sitting at Farrell with my son who plays for the team and watching him doing warm-ups that he did with their team right. it was unbelievable, but I, have, I, I don't go around smelling many men yeah, let's let's admit that for a start. But I have never smelled anyone as amazing as Chris Doolan smells. Yeah, what? Dun- Duncan, this podcast you know, takes a turn for the worse. It's fine now, all right? At least it's a nice smell, John. Yeah? Yeah. Everyone's got a, in their mind a nice smell tonight. Um, 
so if you, if anybody haven't sent a view him after the game, find out after see if he's got. It's a winner. <laughs> I embrace this. I think I think we should smell more men. <laughs> as long as he smells all right, but he isn't a winner at this by ten o'clock tomorrow. I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah not the sweet smell of success. Yeah. <laughs> Think see to wrangle this back to football at some point. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff being said lately about, and and to be fair, I think tonight's a good night to to almost talk about it as well. But the the similarities to the nineties, the feeling about the place and the team and all the rest of it. But I mean, I was really young back then watching it, but we never had this depth. Like, no, no. never ever had the situation where two or three boys could get injured and there was four boys to replace them. No. I think we had a squad of about 13, did we not? I think you either brought George McGeeky or Robert Rayside down at the back or he played Alan McKenzie up front. So what's that, 14, 15 guys? Probably. Yeah. And then you had, yeah, if you were lucky, you had the two Irishmen, um, Trevor Williamson and oh, Damien, aye, aye. Did, Damien did nothing. <laughs> it's an interesting point about depth, though, because... Um... I don't know if you saw last weekend when um, Thistle played Airdrie. <clears throat> and, uh, I think he's, I think he's sixteen, like a really young lad. He played up front. Oh, eighteen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, eighteen is he? Rocco something, isn't it? Uh, Rock. It, it's, it's, I was going to say it's it's Rocco. It's not. I'm looking at it right now. It is. It's it's Rico with two C's. Yeah. I don't know if that's if that's Rico or Rocco it, uh, or uh, Rico. I think eighteen year old though. Well, let's not get into people's first names again. This is a real rabbit hole for us that we could do a staying out of. Um, anyway, young Diak, um, who, yeah, scored twice, or, or scored one forced an own goal with the other one. Um, but I was just looking to see there. Brian Graham is available for this one again. Because um, that's really, you know, Thistle have got two senior strikers. They've got Brian Graham and um, Tommy Adeloy, who were both missing um, last week. But I think Brian Graham coming back from suspension feels a little bit like sort of a an uncaged animal to me. Um, I mean, obviously, I think we'll all have a bit of a kind of bias towards Brian Graham, but I, I really think, I think he's been the best out and out striker in the division for the last couple of years. Just or or certainly he's the one that I would pick over the others, and. Um, in terms of, because there's, there's a good few of them, the guys like Billy Mackay, obviously we saw last week, these guys who are, they're out and out number nines and they, they pick up goals for the team. Jack Hamilton's doing it for us this season. I think Brian Graham, is, his movement is so good. He's, he knows the game so well. Um, that, the fact he's had, a, he's had a week off and he's coming back into this one, I think will be very dangerous. Um, and that... There's good players on that Thistle side. I think it's depth that lets them down. As you said, Graham, that was what happened in the first game, was that uh, Jack McMillan, who, again, um, I think could certainly make an argument for being the best right-back in the division. I think he's very, very good. I've been impressed with him in the past as well. He went off and they had to sort of reshuffle the entire team because they just didn't have another right-back. I know they've played um, Kieran Gwenya at right-back on more than one occasion this season. I mean, when we saw him last year, I thought he was fine. I think I thought he was better than, than a lot of other people did, but I would never have been looking for him to start games on the on the other side. So I think that's Thistle's problem. 
as much as anything. When you look at, you know, um, they're, they're not going to win the division this year. Put it that way. Um, and the reason it's going to come down to depth. I think when everyone's available, their first 11 is very, very good, but they just don't have depth in the right kind of areas. Um, but there's there's other players on that side who I think are um, are very dangerous. I mean, obviously, including a couple of the guys that I've, I've touched upon, is there anybody in that Thistle side, Blair, that you're particularly kind of wary of or impressed by? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few that the 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 midfield is probably the the place where they they kind of do quite well. I think they they play the ball pretty well. They play a, a pretty nice brand of football. I think it's fair to say. Um, Brian Graham is always a worry. He's always and he's uh, the thing. I I did love Brian Graham and I, I I use the past tense deliberately because he's that kind of player who. You love in your team, but you love him because every other team hates him because he's he's also got that kind of um, old boys act thing to a T. He will make 20, 30 fouls in a game and won't get a book in because it's Brian Graham. He's been doing it for years and every referee knows him and he's a hell of a nice guy. Do you know what I mean? Um, they, have got, they have got some decent players, but they've also got like one or two boys in there that are have kind of been around the houses here, Blair Olsons and stuff, who are not, I mean, they're no great. There's, putting it this way, I don't think there's an awful lot of players in their team who I would be desperate to add to ours. Um, I mean, Lawless is a Lawless is a player, but um, no, I don't think there's anything, there's nobody in there that I go, oh, I really, really love him and our team, um, is the truth. But yeah. Um, there, there's there's one that I've not mentioned yet, one uh, for me, but it's their left back, so I'm not going to get into it uh, <laughs> for fear of uh, Graham's retribution. Um, Graham, anybody, anybody in that Thistle side stands out for you? Uh, Fitzpatrick for me. I think Lawless and Fitzpatrick, because he totally stretched the back four. Um, I think Fitzpatrick's an amazing player. Yeah, really, really good player. Um, but it's the fact that the two like... wingers sort of... Sorry, John? What does he smell like? I've no idea. I've not got close enough to him yet. Remember, I'm nearly 50. Give me a chance. Um, but the, the fact that the two wingers hug the touchline as well, and it just spreads that game out, um, that was something that impressed me there. I also think Kerr McEnroy is a good player um, in the midfield. But is he better than what we've got? I don't know. But they're good players. That's it. I think the Thistle use their wingers and their fullbacks better than than kind of anybody else. And it's that. Um it's like McMillan and Lawless on one side and then when he's fit, um Harry Milne and Aiden Fitzpatrick on the other side. And that was where I mean I'm going back to, to last season. But Ryan Nolan had an absolutely torrid time in um I can't remember if it was the first game or the second game, but we were on the opposite side at Fur Hill. And it was really a case of um Liam Dick was having to try and marshal the two of them, uh, McMillan and Lawless, and then any time the other one got away, Ryan Nolan was just having a, a real torrid time. It must have been the first time it was early in the season. Um, I think Lawless possibly scored twice that day. Um, but yeah, I think I think when they're on form, Thistle are possibly the team, other than the Rovers, and, and by a long distance other than the Rovers, um, the team that I enjoy watching the most in the division. I just I, I like the, the way they use their 
their fullbacks in particular. Um, but very much a case of, of kind of nothing to nothing to fear. Um, John, any, anyone anyone kind of thistle side that you want to to talk about or or um. I think the boys have covered it. I'm, I know what Blair says about Brian Graham. He's he's an absolute nuisance when you're playing against him as well. He's he's the type of boy that, as you said, Blair, in your team, he's doing the wee dirty things that you want your player to do. But when he's doing it against you, he's an absolute pain in the arse, isn't he? Um, he knows how to wind up defenders and and he gets away with things. Um, he's a nice guy, though. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure how he smells these days, but he used to be very, <laughs> very nice. Um, I'm also I'm just going to very quickly I'm just going to give you my um, my Blair Alston story because I don't have very many football stories at all, just because I'm I'm hopeless. But um, Blair Alston was I think two years below me at school because uh, I'm nowhere near as old as I look. And um, it was just a, a kind of kickabout game, but somehow in a kickabout game, I was the keeper, and the other side, their strike force was Blair Alston and Greg Spence. Inverkeeping high uh, school, was it? Yes, it was. Okay. But um, as you would imagine, with two guys who went on to play, you know, at a decent level versus me, who sat here talking to you guys about the football, wasn't going very well. And uh, Blair Alston was fully in a kind of showboat mode. As he got into the edge of the box, he was just doing stepovers. Um, and as I was kind of backing away, I realised if I just stopped and I just bent down and picked the ball up from between his feet as he was trying to do these stepovers, which is uh, quite possibly why Blair Alston's never tried that in a real game. And I like to think that he uh, owes me one for teaching him that lesson and uh, being humble. Um, right, anyway. Uh, let's move on to predictions for this one. Um, as usual, I am going to go last so that I can hedge my bets based on what everyone else has said. So, John, why don't you start us off with a, a prediction for uh, for tomorrow night? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna go three one the Rovers. I think we'll take the lead. They'll equalise and then um, we'll come good with two goals in the second half and. Uh, uh, we'll we'll go top of the league tomorrow night, and Dundee United supporters will go into even bigger meltdowns on the front. Do you, do you think we'll be getting assistance from the SFA to achieve that three-one, or is that entirely overs generated? I think um, I think the assistance will be uh, it'll just be on our own merit. We didn't need assistance from anybody. Right, good. I like that. We'll save. Uh... Save the conspiracies for later yeah, in the season when we our, really need them. Keep that in your back pocket for going to Tanadice next week. Right enough. Um, Graham, for you, please, uh, a prediction on how this one might go. No, it'll be 3 2 the Rovers. Um, and I think just to prove there is no conspiracy, this will score a late penalty to make it 3 2. Hmm. That's and exactly reckon, the kind of thing that you would do if you were trying to make sure your conspiracy wasn't too absolutely, obvious. Absolutely, yeah. You've got, you've got somebody called it out, so we've got to make it go the other way. <laughs> Sounds about right. Graham, Graham, I know you're new to this podcast, but have you never seen Kevin saving penalties? Let me see. It's outstanding. It'll be 3 1. The penalty will be saved by Big Kev. Oh, but maybe he Big does, Kev pulls up. Maybe Big Kev pulls up. He oh, does man. smell beautiful. Does he? <laughs> He does. Right. We need a we need an older camera then next time he gets interviewed. Yeah. 
This podcast has just descended this evening, gentlemen. I'm not getting back. I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting back here. <laughs> Kev Dabrowski looks like he smells amazing, to be fair. He does. He does, aye. Um, uh, Blair, predictions for you? Or are okay. you just going to steal Carol's prediction on this, given no, her track record? So I am going to I am going to throw that in for anybody who was who was listening to the show the other day. Um, I've I've actually stuck a fiver on it as well because she's that good at it. Um, she says two um, one Rovers were ninety fifth minute winner, um, which I'm very much hoping happens because the scenes will be incredible again, and I do I do love the scenes. But no, given that it's a a league game. Um, we are going to win by one, um, which is our way. Um, I'm actually with Graham. I think three two. I think there's going to be goals in it. Um, I think both sides are, both sides have goals in them. So yeah, I was thinking three two. Um, I am, I am going to be slightly more pessimistic than that. I think there's goals in it as well, but I think this is for a two each. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, um, I don't know. I think, I think we've been. I'm uncomfortable with how well we're doing, really, is is what I'm getting at here. And it feels like it can't just keep continuing because it's making me uneasy. Um, Could you you imagine the meltdown for Dundee United if it's 2-2, we score a 95th minute winner, though? Just another one. We'll just keep playing to the Rovers score. (laughs) I mean, it's again, though, you you go back to that, like, whatever it is, the bench that we're going to have will be stacked with talent and the belief in that team must be through the roof if it's if it is if it's two each going into injury time in fact think about the the mentality in both teams Partick Thistle will be very very well aware of what that Rovers side keeps doing and the Rovers will be absolutely I mean the the normal pressure that you'd get in injury time would just be amped up to a, a massive massive level um but I think I, I I can't see it being, you know, a, a walkover either way. I just, I, you know, very, very rare for this division. I think it will be tight. I think Thistle are decent. They've got a lot of their, their good players available after a period where I think they've been missing a few of them. A really, really good game. One of these ones where I think they've they've made a good choice for the television. Yeah. Even though, they, you know, they've had to pick them a wee while ago. I think this will be a really good one. Hopefully kind of entertaining. For the uh, for the neutral and it's very tight. I think there's goals in it, and I, I reckon it'll finish a draw. But yes, I also would absolutely take another uh, ninety plus four onwards um, winner for this one. Um, so let's move into our big question then. And um, for today, I'm I'm a little bit wary of asking this. Um, and like the last piece of uh, of superstition that John kind of enlightened us with, but I'm uh, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to ask for sort of your own or your favourite piece of kind of superstition or or tradition um, in relation to the football. And I think um, Graham, we'll start with you, please. I think you've you've got a good one for this. Okay, um, this one goes back to last October. I think we played our both away. Um, the schools down here have different holidays to to five, so less holidays because they're not that intelligent down here. Probably, <laughs> um, and we we booked the week at Piper Dam and in Dundee, and don't know how it happened. The fixtures came out, and we were away at Broth. So um, <laughs> my son and I went away, and I've I've got I hate it when the majority of our support hates a player. Yeah, I don't know if it's because 
being a dad now because I've, I've probably been on the back of a lot of players um, shouting at them more I'm over the time. Um, and Liam Dick at this point was getting it a lot. And we were, we were there early. And I was like, ah, you know, Liam Dick was, the team was warming up. Liam Dick goes across to the side, speaks to somebody. And I'm like, to, to my son Cammy, I'm like, oh, look, there's Liam Dick's dad. I should actually go across and speak to him and say, look, there's at least one guy here that doesn't think your son's shite. Okay. But then I thought, if I did that and he has a nightmare, it'd be my fault. Yeah. A bit like being on this podcast because every time the podcast has been out, we've no loss. And now I'm on it. I could be the hex that like ruins it. But we did that, and it was it was I. It was Liam Dix's dad, and it was always a case of I'd look for him after the game and say, "Yeah, not everybody hates your son." So that has now gone into my son and I going to away games as we do because of where we stay, and actually almost having a competition to see who can spot Dicko's dad first. Yeah, and you have to do it because Liam Dicko. They'll do the warm-up, clap the fans in, and if we go down the tunnel, and he'll turn around and he'll, he'll wave to his dad. So you have to be able to spot him before that happens. Yeah? And that's just become our pre-match tradition of where's Dicko's dad? And sometimes you miss it because they'll maybe be waving to John or something like that or somebody else, and he'll spot him. So he's currently two up at the moment. Yeah? We're hoping for a comeback at some point, but... And it's the amazing thing is you can spot him before the game, right? I mean, you can see him during the game. But see when the game's finished, he's away like a shop. So you can't say, actually, I am the president of your dad's supporters club. And I'd like to see you've been, of your son's supporters club. And I'd like to see you've done really, really well because he's away like a shot. So pre-match, away game, where's Dicko's dad? Instead of where's Wally, it's where's Dicko's dad? I really hope this catches on. I'd like <laughs> there to be uh, be full league tables, full uh, full league systems. 42 different folk all trying to find Dicko's dad before uh, before the game kicks off. Um, aye, that's 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 really good. I really like that. Um, John, have you got? Um, oh, I, sorry, I'm I'm going to take us back a step. I completely forgot. John, you had a Partick Thistle story that I uh, I sailed right by. Tell us that, and then then give us anything that might be a, a superstition, as long as it doesn't involve your uh, digestive tract. It does. <laughs> Parrick Thistle, uh, my story with Parrick Thistle is in the mid-80s, we went down, my wife and myself went down to a golf club in Yorkshire and we were running the golf club down in Yorkshire. One of the members there was a guy called Alan Lever. Alan Lever was the main sponsor of Sheffield United. So we got talking. Um, this guy was a multi-millionaire. Um, Drove me the first time I went to see Sheffield United um, was in his Bentley Turbo down all the way from Shipley, which was near Bradford, through Bradford, the way down to the game. So after about four years of doing that, I also got to go in his, uh, he had a nice little two-seater Merc, which uh, number plate was 5 UFC, and we used to go to Bramall Lane, sit in the director's uh, uh, section of the Bramall Lane, brilliant. They, they won promotion when we were down there, and it was great. So anyway, we're coming, we've decided we're coming back up to a golf club in Scotland. So Alan Laver takes me to my last game at Sheffield United, and he says to me before the game, at the end of the game, 
Dave Bassett wants to, Dave Harry Bassett wants to speak to you after the game. And I went, okay. So I can't remember the computer were playing, but they, 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 they take me down to the dressing room and I meet Harry Bassett, who I'd, I'd met quite a few times. And he goes into his jacket pocket and he brings out this leather embossed card. And I open it and it's got my name printed on it, John Greer. This is the rep. Uh, John Greer is a representative of Sheffield United. Please give this man access to your ground. So six months later, I'm at the golf club where I am now, and uh, I noticed the Rovers are playing Paddock Thistle on Tuesday night. So I thought I'm going to. I've never used it, so I phoned up Paddock Thistle. Now they had a famous woman that ran their office. I can't remember her name. We'll call her Betty. I phoned up Betty and I said, look, I'm a representative of Sheffield United. I'm coming to see Wraith Rovers game. I'd like to come and see the Wraith Rovers game on Tuesday. Can I have two tickets put aside? Yes, not a problem. So Tuesday morning comes, I buy the Daily Record and I'm reading about the Rovers game at Fair Hill. And in the thing it says, a representative from Sheffield United will be coming to watch Patrick Thistle's John Flood playing in that game. And I went, oh, shit. Right. So we get to the ground, me and a mate. I've taken a mate along. I go up to the office. I go in. I I meet the, the bold lady, Betty, and I say, here's my card. I'm the representative of Sheffield United. And she goes, oh, the Sheffield United representative has already arrived. And it just happens to be Colin Jackson, the ex-Rangers centre half. So I had to think quickly on my feet and I said, oh, that's great. Oh, I, he's made it. That's good. I'll meet up with him. So I get my tickets. We go in and the game is absolutely rubbish. It's nil-nil. And I go away. I've, I've avoided Colin Jackson the whole game. But the following morning... I pick up the paper, read the report of the game, and it says at the end, a delegation from Sheffield United <laughs> came to watch John Flood. And subsequently, John Flood was signed by Sheffield United, but I had nothing to do with it. That's my part of this old story. John, I was standing. I was going to say, I watch these TV programmes and it's like comedy programmes or whatever, and I always think, that's nonsense. That can never happen in real life. It happens to you, John. It does. It does. Yeah, multiple times a week, by the sounds of it. No, no. The, uh, number, the number and quality of stories from you, John, is uh, is unrivaled. Right, can I do my superstition? Because I've got a new one this season. I live in North Berwick. If I'm going to a, an away game... Or a home game, I have to come round the bypass. So I've decided now this season that when I get to Hermiston Gate, which could be a bit of a bottleneck, I go off the junction first, as if I'm heading towards where the Orium is for the Calder Road, and I go down that way, go round the roundabout, get get blasted by a few folk because they think I'm in the wrong lane, which I probably am, and then I get right onto the so that's become a new tradition. And even last Saturday going to Inverness, I could quite easily have missed that, but I had to double back a wee bit, having had a puncture earlier. 
but I then still use that. So it's worked for me. So about, I don't know what, half three tomorrow, I'll be heading over that way and I'll be the arsehole that's in the wrong lane. But it's my tradition now and we've been winning with it. So I'm keeping it going. Good. Excellent. Um, I, I mean, I'll tell you mine very quickly. Mine's, mine's a quite a minor one in comparison to, um, you know, games that take place across the country and fairly serious traffic um, violations. So I have... Um, I've got one of these steps at Starks Park, my name on it, which um, uh, some people I worked with for a, a relatively brief time chipped in and bought for me, which was was absolutely lovely of them. And um, I don't know whether it's it's pure coincidence or if somebody at the the office at the club went kind of above and beyond, but it's right next to my season ticket seat, which, so, you know, however that's happened, I'm very pleased about it. It's nice that that's where it is. And, Duncan, uh, I have to kill that there because my one's right next to my Row where at it as well. So that's, that's, a, a that's, that's a lovely touch. That's a really nice kind of because that I mean that's just a nice we touch that that obviously when the order comes in, somebody's taking the time to go and just check it and see can we actually put this somewhere where it um it would be well seen. So thank you to whoever at the club has sorted that out. Um but I am, uh, unlike Graham, I'm, I'm going to hope everybody doesn't join in in my tradition because what I do is I'm going up the stairs, I just give it two wee kicks as I'm going past. So if everybody else could not do that, please, because I'd rather it didn't fall off that step um, <laughs> at any point. Um, Blair, I know, I know you're not you're not typically a very superstitious person, but is there well, anything was, that you want to, to throw into this conversation? I was going to say, to quote the office, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um no, I to be honest, the only one I've ever done, and I still do it, but it's it's nonsense when I because I always buy a replica strip because inside I'm still twelve, um, and I, I wear it to a game, and if we lose, I never wear it to a game ever again. That's pretty much my only one, and I do it pretty much every season. But I'm still wearing them this season. It's great because I never wore it to Airdrie, <laughs> so it's still working. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, that will um, bring us to a close for this evening. So um, thank you, gents, for joining me. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening or watching, if that is an odd choice that you choose to make. Uh, remember that you can follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can like and subscribe on YouTube as well. Uh, we will be back on uh, either Saturday or Sunday. I don't think we've decided yet with a review of, um, of this game. So I think all that's left for me to say is I hope you enjoy the game tomorrow, whether you're in the ground or watching on the television. And hopefully we all get to see another three points staying at Starks Park. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, guys.